0: Hey, TrumpCast listeners. Show producer Melissa Kaplan here. Did you miss Robert Mueller's testimony this morning? We have you covered. Here's the first half of the Intelligence Committee open hearing with the former Special Counsel, chaired by Representative Adam Schiff. He's calling the meeting to order at the very top. We'll be back with updates and tune in tomorrow for our Mueller debrief with host Virginia Heffernan and Fordham Law Professor Jed Sugarman.
1: May will come to order? At the outset. And on behalf of my colleagues, I want to thank you, Special Counsel Mueller, for a lifetime of service to the country. Your report, for those who have taken the time to study it, is methodical and it is devastating. For it tells the story of a foreign adversary's sweeping and systematic intervention in a close U.S. presidential election. That should be enough to deserve the attention of every American, as you well point out. But your report tells another story as well. The story of the 2016 election is also a story about disloyalty to country, about greed, and about lies. Your investigation determined that the Trump campaign, including Donald Trump himself, knew that a foreign power was intervening in our election and welcomed it, built Russian meddling into their strategy, and used it. Disloyalty to country, those are strong words, but how else are we to describe a presidential campaign which did not inform the authorities of a foreign offer of dirt on their opponent, which did not publicly shun it or turn it away, but which instead invited it, encouraged it, and made full use of it. That disloyalty may not have been criminal, constrained by uncooperative witnesses, the destruction of documents, and the use of encrypted communications, your team was not able to establish each of the elements of the crime of conspiracy beyond a reasonable doubt. So not a provable crime in any event. But I think maybe something worse. A crime is the violation of law written by Congress, but disloyalty to country violates the very oath of citizenship our devotion to a core principle on which our nation was founded, that we, the people and not some foreign power that wishes us ill, we decide who governs us. This is also a story about money, about greed and corruption, about the leadership of a campaign willing to compromise the nation's interest, not only to win, but to make money at the same time about a campaign chairman indebted to pro-Russian interests who tried to use his position to clear his debts and make millions, about a national security advisor using his position to make money from still other foreign interests, and about a candidate trying to make more money than all of them put together through a real estate project that to him was worth a fortune, hundreds of millions of dollars, and the realization of a lifelong ambition, a Trump Tower in the heart of Moscow a candidate who in fact viewed his whole campaign as the greatest infomercial in history. Donald Trump and his senior staff were not alone in their desire to use the election to make money. For Russia too, there was a powerful financial motive. Putin wanted relief from US economic sanctions imposed in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and over human rights violations. The secret Trump Tower meeting between the Russians and senior campaign officials was about sanctions. The secret conversations between Flynn and the Russian ambassador were about sanctions. Trump and his team wanted more money for themselves, and the Russians wanted more money for themselves and for their oligarchs. But the story doesn't end here either. For your report also tells a story about lies. Lots of lies. Lies about a gleaming tower in Moscow and lies about talks with the Kremlin. Lies about the firing of FBI Director James Comey, and lies about efforts to fire you, Director Mueller, and lies to cover it up. Lies about secret negotiations with the Russians over sanctions, and lies about WikiLeaks. Lies about polling data, and lies about hush money payments. Lies about meetings in the Seychelles to set up secret back channels, and lies about a secret meeting in New York Trump Tower. Lies to the FBI, lies to your staff, and lies to this committee lies to obstruct an investigation into the most serious attack on our democracy by a foreign power in our history. That is where your report ends, Director Mueller, with a scheme to cover up, obstruct, and deceive every bit as systematic and pervasive as the Russian disinformation campaign itself, but far more pernicious since this rot came from within Even now, after 448 pages and two volumes, the deception continues. The president and his acolytes say your report found no collusion, though your report explicitly declined to address that question, since collusion can involve both criminal and non-criminal conduct. Your report laid out multiple offers of Russian help to the Trump campaign, the campaign's acceptance of that help, and overt acts in furtherance of Russian help to most Americans, that is the very definition of collusion, whether it is a crime or not. They say your report found no evidence of obstruction, though you outline numerous actions by the president intended to obstruct the investigation. They say the president has been fully exonerated, though you specifically declare you could not exonerate him. In fact, they say your whole investigation was nothing more than a witch hunt that the Russians didn't interfere in our election, that it's all a terrible hoax. The real crime, they say, is not that the Russians intervened to help Donald Trump, but that the FBI had the temerity to investigate it when they did. But worst of all, worse than all the lies and the greed is the disloyalty to country. For that, too, continues. When asked if the Russians intervene again, will you take their help, Mr. President? Why not, was the essence of his answer, everyone does it. No, Mr. President, they don't. Not in the America envisioned by Jefferson, Madison, and Hamilton. Not for those who believe in the idea that Lincoln labored until his dying day to preserve The idea animating our great national experiment so unique then, so precious still, that our government is chosen by our people, through our franchise, and not by some hostile foreign power. This is what is at stake. Our next election, and the one after that, for generations to come, our democracy. This is why your work matters, Director Mueller. This is why our investigation matters, to bring these dangers to light. Ranking Member Nunes.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
1: Welcome everyone
2: to the last gasp of the Russia collusion conspiracy theory. As Democrats continue to foist this spectacle on the American people, as well as you, Mr. Mueller, The American people may recall the media first began spreading this conspiracy theory in the spring of 2016 when Fusion GPS, funded by the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign, started developing the Steele Dossier, a collection of outlandish accusations that Trump and his associates were Russian agents. Fusion GPS, Steele, and other Confederates fed these absurdities to naive or partisan reporters and to top officials in numerous government agencies, including the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the State Department. Among other things, the FBI used dossier allegations to obtain a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. Despite acknowledging dossier allegations as being salacious and unverified, former FBI Director James Comey briefed those allegations to President Obama and President-elect Trump. Those briefings conveniently leaked to the press, resulting in the publication of the dossier and launching thousands of false press stories based on the word of a foreign ex-spy, one who admitted he was desperate that Trump lose the election, and who was eventually fired as an FBI source for leaking to the press. After Comey himself was fired by his own admission, he leaked derogatory information on President Trump to the press for the specific purpose, and successfully so, of engineering the appointment of a special counsel who sits here before us today. The FBI investigation was marred by further corruption and bizarre abuses. Top DOJ official Bruce Orr, whose own wife worked on Fusion GPS's anti-Trump operation, fed Steele's information to the FBI, even after the FBI fired Steele. The top FBI investigator and his lover, another top FBI official, constantly texted about how much they hated Trump and wanted to stop him from being elected. And the entire investigation was open based not on Five Eyes' intelligence, but on a tip from a foreign politician about a conversation involving Joseph Mifsud. He's a Maltese diplomat who's widely portrayed as a Russian agent, but seems to have far more connections with Western governments, including our own FBI and our own State Department, than with Russia. Brazenly ignoring all these red flags, as well as the transparent absurdity of the claims they are making, the Democrats have argued for nearly three years that evidence of collusion is hidden just around the corner. Like the Loch Ness Monster, they insist it's there even if no one can find it. Consider this. In March 2017, Democrats on this committee said they had more than circumstantial evidence of collusion, but they couldn't reveal it yet. Mr. Mueller was soon appointed, and they said he would find the collusion. Then when no collusion was found in Mr. Mueller's indictments, the Democrats said we'd find it in his final report. Then when there was no collusion in the report, we were told Attorney General Barr was hiding it. Then when it was clear Barr wasn't hiding anything, we were told it will be revealed through a hearing with Mr. Mueller himself. And now that Mr. Mueller is here, they are claiming that the collusion has actually been in his report all along, hidden in plain sight. And they're right, there is collusion in plain sight, collusion between Russia and the Democratic Party. The Democrats colluded with Russian sources to develop the Steele dossier, and Russian lawyer Natalia Vesnyskaya colluded with the dossier's key architect, Fusion GPS head Glenn Simpson. The Democrats have already admitted, both in interviews and through their usual anonymous statements to reporters, that today's hearing is not about getting information at all. They said they want to, quote, bring the Mueller report to life and create a television moment through ploys like having Mr. Mueller recite passages from his own report. In other words, this hearing is political theater. It's a Hail Mary attempt to convince the American people that collusion is real and that it's concealed in the report. Granted, that's a strange argument to make about a report that is public. It's almost like the Democrats prepared arguments accusing Mr. Barr of hiding the report and didn't bother to update their claims once he published the entire thing. Among congressional Democrats, the Russia investigation was never about finding the truth. It's always been a simple media operation. By their own accounts, this operation continues in this room today. Once again, numerous pressing issues this committee needs to address are put on hold to indulge the political fantasies of people who believed it was their destiny to serve Hillary Clinton's administration. It's time for the curtain to close on the Russia hoax. The conspiracy theory is dead. At some point, I would argue, we're gonna have to get back to work. Until then, I yield back the balance of my time.
1: To uh, ensure fairness and make sure that our hearing is prompt, I know we got a late start, uh, Director Muller. The hearing will be structured as follows. Each member of the committee will be afforded five minutes to ask questions, beginning with the chair and ranking member. Uh, As chair, I will recognize thereafter in alternating fashion and descending order of seniority members of the majority and minority. After each member has asked his or her questions, the ranking member will be afforded an additional five minutes to ask questions, uh, followed by the chair, who will have additional five questions, five minutes for questions. The Ranking member and the chair will not be permitted to delegate or yield our final round of questions to any other member. Uh, After six members of the majority and six members of the minority have concluded their five-minute rounds of questions, we'll take a five or 10-minute break uh, that we understand you've requested before resuming the hearing with Congressman Swalwell starting his round of questions. Special Counsel Muller is accompanied today by Aaron Zebley, who served as Deputy Special Counsel from May 2017 until May 2019 and had day-to-day oversight of the Special Counsel's investigation. Mr. Mueller and Mr. Zebley resigned from the Department of Justice at the end of May 2019 when the Special Counsel's Office was closed. Both Mr. Mueller and Mr. Zebley will be available to answer questions today and will be sworn in consistent with the rules of the House and the Committee. Mr. Mueller and Mr. Zebley's appearance today before the Committee is in keeping with the Committee's long-standing practice of receiving testimony from current or former Department of Justice and FBI personnel regarding open and closed investigative matters. As this hearing is under oath and before we begin your testimony, Mr. Muller and Zebley, would you please rise and raise your right hands to be sworn. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you are about to give at this hearing is the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Thank you. The record will reflect that the witnesses have been duly sworn. Ranking member.
2: Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I just want to clarify that uh, this is highly unusual for uh, Mr. Zelby to be sworn in. Uh, we're here to uh, ask uh, Director Moeller uh, questions. Um, he's here as counsel. Um, our side is not going to be directing any questions to Mr. Zeble, um and we have concerns about his prior representation uh, of the Hillary Clinton campaign aide. So I just want to voice that concern that we do have uh, and we will not be uh, addressing any questions to Mr. Zebley today.
1: I thank the ranking member. uh, I realize, uh, as you probably do Mr. Zebley, that there is a angry man down the street who's not happy about your being here today. But it is up to this committee and not uh, anyone else who will be allowed to be sworn in and testify, and you are welcome as a private citizen uh, to testify, and members may direct their questions to whoever they choose. Uh, with that, uh, Director Muller, you are recognized for any opening remarks you'd like to make.
3: Uh, good afternoon, Chairman Schiff, uh, Ranking Member Nunes, and members of the committee. I testified this morning before the House Judiciary Committee. I ask that the opening statement I made before that committee be incorporated into the record here.
1: Without objection, Director.
3: I understand that this committee has a unique jurisdiction and that you are interested in further understanding the counterintelligence implications of our investigation. So let me say a word about how we handled the potential impact of our investigation on counterintelligence matters. As we explained in our report, the Special Counsel regulations effectively gave me the role of United States Attorney. As a result, we structured our investigation around evidence for possible use in prosecution of federal crimes. We did not reach what you would call counterintelligence conclusions. We did, however, set up processes in the office to identify and pass counterintelligence information onto the FBI. Members of our office periodically briefed the FBI about counterintelligence information. In addition, there were agents and analysts from the FBI who were not on our team, but whose job it was to identify counterintelligence information in our files and to to disseminate that information to the FBI. For these reasons, questions about what the FBI has done with the counterintelligence information obtained from our investigation should be directed to the FBI. I also want to reiterate a few points that I made this morning. I am not making any judgments or offering opinions about the guilt or innocence in any pending case. It is unusual for a prosecutor to testify about a criminal investigation, and given my role as a prosecutor, there are reasons why my testimony will necessarily be limited. First, public testimony could affect several ongoing matters. In some of these matters, court rules or judicial orders limit the disclosure of information to protect the fairness of the proceedings. And consistent with longstanding Justice Department policy, it would be inappropriate for me to comment in any way that could affect an ongoing matter. Second, the Justice Department has asserted privileges concerning investigative information and decisions, ongoing matters within the Justice Department, and deliberations within our office. These are Justice Department privileges that I will respect. The Department has released a letter discussing the restrictions on my testimony. But I therefore will not be able to answer questions about certain areas that I know are of public interest. For example, I am unable to address questions about the opening of the FBI's Russia investigation, which occurred months before my appointment, or matters related to the so-called Steele and Dossier. These matters are the subject of ongoing review by the Department. Any questions on these topics should therefore be directed to the FBI or the Justice Department. Third, as I explained this morning, it is important for me to adhere to what we wrote in our report. The report contains our findings and analysis and the reasons for the decisions we made. We stated the results of our investigation with precision. I do not intend to summarize or describe the results of our work in a different way in the course of my testimony today. And as I stated in May, I also will not comment on the actions of the Attorney General or of Congress. I was appointed as a prosecutor, and I intend to adhere to that role and to the department standards that govern. Finally, as I said this morning, over the course of my career, I have seen a number of challenges to our democracy. The Russian government's efforts to interfere in our election is among the most serious, and I am sure that the committee agrees. Now, before we go to questions, I want to add one correction to my testimony this morning. I want to go back to one thing that was said this morning by Mr. Liu, who said, and I quote, you didn't charge the president because of the OLC opinion. That is not the correct way to say it. As we say in the report, and as I said at the opening, we did not reach a determination as to whether the president committed a crime. And with that, Mr. Chairman, I'm ready to answer questions.
1: Thank you, Director Mueller. I recognize myself for five minutes. Dr. Mueller, your report describes a sweeping and systematic effort by Russia to influence our presidential election. Is that correct? That is correct. And during the course of this Russian interference in the election, the Russians made outreach to the Trump campaign, did they not?
3: Uh, that occurred over the course of, yeah, that occurred.
1: It's also clear from your report that during that Russian outreach to the Trump campaign, no one associated with the Trump campaign. Ever called the FBI to report it? Am I right?
3: I don't know that for sure.
1: In fact, the campaign welcomed the Russian help, did they not?
3: I think we have, we report in our, uh, in the report, uh, indications that that occurred, yes.
1: The president's son said when he was approached about dirt on Hillary Clinton that the Trump campaign would love it?
3: Uh, That is uh, generally what was said, yes.
1: The president himself called on the Russians to hack Hillary's emails?
3: Uh, There was a statement by the president in those general lines.
1: And numerous times during the campaign, the president praised the releases of the Russian hacked emails through WikiLeaks.
3: That That did occur.
1: Your report found that the Trump campaign planned, quote, a press strategy, communications campaign, and messaging, unquote, based on that Russian assistance.
3: I am not familiar with that.
1: That language comes from volume one, page 54. Apart from the Russians wanting to help Trump win, several individuals associated with the Trump campaign were also trying to make money during the campaign and transition, is that correct? That is true. Paul Manafort was trying to make money or achieve debt forgiveness from a Russian oligarch.
3: Generally, that is accurate.
1: Michael Flynn was trying to make money from Turkey. True. Donald Trump was trying to make millions from a real estate deal in Moscow.
3: To the extent you're talking about the, uh, the uh, hotel in uh, Moscow? Yes. Yes.
1: When your investigation looked into these matters, numerous Trump associates lied to your team, the grand jury, and to Congress?
3: number uh, of persons that we interviewed in uh, our investigation, it turns out, did lie.
1: Mike Flynn lied?
3: Uh, he was convicted of lying, yes.
1: George Papadopoulos was convicted of lying? True. Paul Manafort was convicted of lying? True. Paul Manafort was... In fact, went so far as to encourage other people to lie?
3: That is accurate.
1: Manafort's deputy, Rick Gates, lied?
3: That is accurate.
1: Michael Cohen, the president's lawyer, was indicted for lying? True. He lied to stay on message with the president?
3: Allegedly by him.
1: And when Donald Trump called your investigation a witch hunt, that was also false, was it not?
3: Like to think so, yes.
1: Well, your investigation is not a witch hunt, is it? It is not a witch hunt. When the president said the Russian interference was a hoax, that was false, wasn't it? True. When he said it publicly, it was false?
3: Uh, He he did uh, say publicly that it was false, yes.
1: And when he told it to Putin, that was false too, wasn't it?
3: That I'm not familiar with.
1: When the president said he had no business dealings with Russia, that was false,
3: wasn't it? I'm not going to go into the details of uh, the report that uh, uh, along those lines.
1: Well, when the, pressure, when the president said he had no business dealings with Russia, in fact, he was seeking to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. Is he not?
3: I think there there is some question about when this was uh, accomplished.
1: Well, you would consider a billion-dollar deal to build a tower in Moscow to be business dealings, wouldn't you, Director Mueller?
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: In short, your investigation found evidence that Russia wanted to help Trump win the election, right?
3: I think generally uh, that would be accurate.
1: Russia informed campaign officials of that?
3: I'm not certain to what uh, conversations you're referring to.
1: Well, through an intermediary they informed Papadopoulos that they could help with the anonymous release of stolen emails? Accurate. Russia committed federal crimes in order to help Donald Trump?
3: Uh, When you're talking about the computer crimes uh, in the charge in our case, Absolutely.
1: The Trump campaign officials built their strategy, their messaging strategy around those stolen documents?
3: Uh, I'm, I, generally that's true.
1: And then they lied to cover it up.
3: Uh, generally that's true.
1: Thank you, uh, Mr. Nunes.
2: Thank you. Welcome, Director. As a former FBI Director, you'd agree that the FBI is the world's most capable law enforcement agency.
3: I would say we're, yes.
2: The FBI claims the counterintelligence investigation of the Trump campaign began on July 31st, 2016. But in fact, it began before that. In June 2016, before the investigation officially opened, Trump campaign associates Carter Page and Stephen Miller, a current Trump advisor, were invited to attend a symposium at Cambridge University in July 2016. Your office, however, did not investigate who was responsible for inviting these Trump associates to this symposium. Your investigators also failed to interview Stephen Schrage, an American citizen who helped organize the event and invited Carter Page to it. Is that correct? Uh,
3: Can you repeat the question?
2: Whether or not uh, you uh, interviewed Stephen Schrage who organized the Cambridge.
3: In those areas, I am gonna stay away from. The
2: first Trump associate to be investigated was General Flynn. Many of the allegations against him stem from false media reports that he had an affair with a Cambridge academic, Svetlana Lokova, and that Lokova was a Russian spy. Some of these allegations were made public in a 2017 article written by British intelligence historian Christopher Andrew. Your report fails to reveal how or why Andrew and his collaborator Richard Dearlove, former head of Britain's MI6, spread these allegations. And you failed to interview Svetlana Lokova about these matters, is that correct?
3: I'm gonna get, in, get into those uh, matters to which you uh, uh, refer.
2: You had a team of 19 lawyers, uh, 40 agents, uh, and an unlimited budget, correct, Mr.
3: Mueller? I would not say we had an unlimited budget.
2: Let's continue with the ongoing or the opening of the investigation. Supposedly on July 31st, 2016, the investigation was not open based on an official product from Five Eyes Intelligence, but based on a rumor conveyed by Alexander Downer. On Volume One, page 89, your report describes him blandly as a representative of a foreign government, but he was actually a long-time Australian politician, not a military or intelligence official who had previously arranged a $25 million donation to the Clinton Foundation, and has previous ties to Dear Love. So Downer conveys a rumor he supposedly heard about a conversation between Papadopoulos and Joseph Mifsud. James Comey has publicly called Mifsud a Russian agent, yet your report does not refer to Mifsud as a Russian agent. Mifsud has extensive contacts with Western governments and the FBI. For example, there is a recent photo of him standing next to Boris Johnson, the new Prime Minister of Great Britain. What we're trying to figure out here, Mr. Mueller, is if our NATO allies or Boris Johnson have been compromised. So we're trying to figure out, Comey says Mifsud is a Russian agent, you do not. So is do you stand by what's in the report?
3: I'd stand by that which is in the report. and. Not so, necessarily, with that which is, un, uh, which is not in the report.
2: I want to return to Mr. Downer. He denies that Papadopoulos mentioned anything to him about Hillary Clinton's emails, and in fact, Mifsud denies mentioning to them pop to, that to Papadopoulos. He denies that Papadopoulos mentioned anything to him about Hillary Clinton's emails, and in fact, MIFSA denies mentioning to them to Papadopoulos in the first place. So how does the FBI know to continually ask Papadopoulos about Clinton's emails for the rest of 2016. Even more strangely, your sentencing memo on Papadopoulos blames him for hindering the FBI's ability to potentially detain or arrest Mifsud. But the, tr- the truth is, Mifsud waltzed in and out of the United States in December 2016. The US media could find him, the Italian press found him, and he's a supposed Russian agent at the epicenter of the purported collusion conspiracy. He's the guy who knows about Hillary Clinton's emails and that the Russians have them. But the FBI failed to question him for a half a year after officially opening the investigation. And then according to volume one, page 193 of your report, once Mifsud finally was questioned, he made false statements to the FBI. But you declined to charge him. Is that correct? You did not indict Mr. Mifsud?
3: I'm not going to speak to the series of uh, happenings as you articulated them.
2: But you did not indict Mr. Mifsud? The time of the gentleman has expired. Uh, Pardon? You did
4: not indict Mr. Mifsud. True. Mr. Himes. Director Mueller, thank you for your lifetime of service to this country, and thank you for your perseverance and patience today. Director, your report opens with two statements of remarkable clarity and power. The first statement is one that is, as of today, not acknowledged by the President of the United States, and that is, quote, the Russian government interfered in the 2016 presidential election in sweeping and systematic fashion. The second statement remains controversial amongst members of this body, same page on your report, and I quote, the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and worked to secure that outcome. Do I have that statement right? I believe so. Director Mueller, this attack on our democracy involved, as you said, two operations. First, a social media disinformation campaign. This was a targeted campaign to spread false information on places like Twitter and Facebook. Is that correct? That's correct. Facebook estimated, as per your report, that the Russian fake images reached 126 million people. Is that correct?
3: I believe that's the sum that we record.
4: Director. Who did the Russian social media campaign ultimately intend to benefit? Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Donald Trump. The second operation, Director. Let me just say
3: Donald Trump, but there were instances where Hillary Clinton was subject to much the same behavior.
4: The second operation in the Russian attack was a scheme, what we call the the hack and dump, to steal and release hundreds of thousands of emails from the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign. Is that a fair summary? That is. Did your investigation find that the releases of the hacked emails were strategically timed to maximize impact on the election?
3: I'd have to refer you to the, uh, our report uh, on that question.
4: Page 36, I quote The release of the documents was designed and timed to interfere with the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Mr. Mueller, which presidential candidate was Russia's hacking and dumping operation designed to benefit, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump?
3: Uh, Mr. Mr. Trump.
4: Mr. Mueller, is it possible that this sweeping and systematic effort by Russia actually had an effect on the outcome of the presidential election?
3: Those issues uh, have been uh, investigated by other entities.
4: 126 million Facebook impressions, fake rallies, attacks on Hillary Clinton's health. Um, Would you rule out that it might have had some effect on the election?
3: Uh, I'm not going to speculate.
4: Mr. Mueller, your report describes a third avenue of attempted Russian interference. That is the numerous links and contacts between the Trump campaign and individuals tied to the Russian government, is that correct?
3: Could you repeat that question?
4: Your report describes what is called a third avenue of Russian interference, and that's the links and contacts between the Trump campaign and individuals tied to the Russian government. Yes. Let's bring up slide one, which is uh, about George Papadopoulos, and it reads, On May 6, 2016, 10 days after that meeting with Mifsud, much discussed today, Papadopoulos suggested to a representative of a foreign government that the Trump campaign had received indications from the Russian government that it could assist the campaign through the anonymous release of information that would be damaging to Hillary Clinton. And Director, that's exactly what happened two months later, is it not?
3: Well, I can speak to the, uh, the excerpt that you have on the screen as being accurate from the report, but not the second half of your question.
4: Well the, well, the second half, just to refer to page six of the report, is that on July 22nd, through WikiLeaks, thousands of these emails that were, that were stolen by the Russian government appeared, correct? That's on page six of the report. This is the WikiLeaks posting of those emails. I, I
3: can't find it quickly, but I... Uh, um, please continue.
4: Okay. So just to be clear, before the public or the FBI ever knew, the Russians previewed for a Trump campaign official, George Papadopoulos, that they had stolen emails that they could release anonymously to help Donald Trump and hurt Hillary Clinton. Is that correct?
3: I'm not going to speak to, uh, to, to that.
4: Director, rather than report this contact with Joseph Massoud and the notion that there was dirt that the campaign could use, rather than report that to the FBI that I think most of my constituents would expect an individual to do, Papadopoulos in fact lied about his Russian contacts to you, is that not correct? That's true. We have an election coming up in 2020, Director. If a campaign receives an offer of dirt from a foreign individual or a government, generally speaking, should that campaign report those contacts?
3: Should be, it can be, depending on the circumstances
4: of crime. It, um, I, I will yield back the balance of my time.
1: <clears throat> Mr. Conway,
3: Thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Baller, did anyone ask you to exclude anything from your report that you felt should have been in the report? I, I, I don't think so but uh, it was a, it's its not a small report. But don't want to ask you specifically to, to exclude something that you believe should have been in there. That you were- Not I can recall, no. I yield the balance of my time to Mr. Reckliffe. Thank you.
5: Thank the gentleman for yielding. Good afternoon, Director Mueller. Uh, in your May 29th press conference, and again in your opening remarks this morning, you made it pretty clear you wanted the special counsel report to speak for itself. Uh, you said at your press conference that Uh, That was the office's final position, and we will not comment on any other conclusions or hypotheticals about the president. Now, you spent the last few hours of your life um, from Democrats trying to get you to answer all kinds of uh, hypotheticals about the president, and I expect that it may continue for the next few hours of your life. Um, I think you've stayed pretty much true to what your intent and desire uh, was, but I guess regardless of that, the special counsel's office is closed and it has no continuing jurisdiction or authority, so what would be your authority or jurisdiction for adding new conclusions or determinations to the special counsel's written report?
3: As for the latter, uh, I don't uh, know or expect changes in conclusions that we uh, included in our, uh, in our report.
5: So to that point, you addressed one of the issues that that I needed to, which was from your testimony this morning, which some construed as a change to the written report. You talked about the exchange that you had with Congressman Liu. I wrote it down a little bit different. I want to ask you about it so that the record is perfectly clear. I recorded that he asked you, quote, the reason you did not indict Donald Trump is because of the OLC opinion stating you cannot indict a sitting president, to which you responded, that is correct. That, that response is inconsistent, I think you'll agree with uh, your written report. Uh, I want to be clear that it is not your intent to change your written report, it is your intent to clarify the record to well, that.
3: I, as I started uh, today, this afternoon, and uh, added a, a, either a footnote or an endnote, um, uh, what I wanted to clarify is the fact that we did not make any determination with regard to culpability in any way. We did not start that process down down the road.
5: Terrific. Thank you for clarifying the record. A stated purpose of your appointment as special counsel was to ensure a full and thorough investigation of the Russian government efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. As part of that full and thorough investigation, What determination did the special counsel office make about whether the Steele dossier was part of the Russian government efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election? Uh, Again,
3: when it comes to Mr. Steele, uh, I defer to the Department of Justice.
5: Well, first of all, Director, I I very much agree with your determination that Russia's efforts were sweeping and systematic. I think it should concern every American. That's why I want to know just how sweeping and systematic those efforts were. I want to find out if Russia interfered with our election by providing false information through sources to Christopher Steele about a Trump conspiracy that you determined didn't exist.
3: Well, I, as again, I'm not going to discuss the issues with regard to uh, Mr. Steele. And, the, uh, and in terms of a portrayal of the conspiracies, uh, we returned two indictments in the uh, uh, computer crimes arena, uh, one uh, uh, GRU and another uh, active measures in which we lay out in excruciating detail uh, I understand. what occurred uh, in those two and I rather with, large conspiracies.
5: I, I agree with respect to that, but why this is important is an application and three renewal applications were submitted by the United States government to spy or surveil on Trump campaign Carter associate Uh, or Carter Page, and on all four occasions, the United States government uh, submitted the Steele dossier as a central piece of evidence with respect to that. Now, the basic premise of the dossier, as you know, was that there was a well-developed conspiracy of cooperation between the Trump campaign and the Russian government, but the special counsel investigation didn't establish any conspiracy, correct?
3: Well, what I can tell you is that the, the events that you are characterizing here now it's part of another matter that is being handled by the Department of Justice.
5: But you did not establish any conspiracy, much less a well-developed one. Uh, uh,
3: again, I, I pass on
5: uh, special, answering that question. The special counsel did not charge Carter Page with anything, correct? The
3: special counsel did not.
5: All right. Uh, my time has expired. I yield back. Ms. Sewell.
0: Director Mueller, I'd like to turn your attention to the June 9th, 2016 Trump Tower meeting. Um, slide two, uh, which should be on the screen now, is part of an email chain between Don Jr., Don, Donald Trump Jr. and a publicist representing the son of a Russian oligarch. The email exchange ultimately led to the now infamous June 9, 2016 meeting. The email from the publicist to Donald Trump Jr. reads in part, The Crown Prosecutor of Russia, offered to provide the Trump campaign with some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary and in her dealings with Russia and is a part of Russia and its government's support of Mr. Trump. In this email, Donald Trump Jr. is being told that the Russian government wants to pass along information which would hurt Hillary Clinton and help Donald Trump. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, Trump Jr.'s response to that email is slide three. He said, and I quote, if it is what you say, I love it, especially later in the summer. Then Donald Jr. Uh, invited senior campaign officials, Paul Manafort and, and Jared Kushner to the meeting, did he not? He did. This email exchange is evidence of an offer of illegal assistance, is it not? I
3: cannot adopt that characterization.
0: But isn't it against the law for a presidential campaign to accept anything of value from a foreign government?
3: Generally speaking, yes, but uh, generally the cases are are, uh, uh, unique.
0: (laughs) Well, you say in uh, page 184 in volume one that the federal campaign finance law broadly prohibits foreign nationals from making contributions, et cetera. And then you say that foreign nationals may not make a contribution or donation of money or anything of value. It says uh, clearly in the report itself.
3: Thank you. Uh,
0: Now, let's turn to what actually happened at the meeting. When Donald Trump Jr. and the others got to the June 9th meeting, they realized that the Russian delegation didn't have the promised "quote unquote" dirt. Uh, in fact, they got upset about that. Did they not?
3: I, I, generally, yes.
0: Uh, you say in volume one, page 118, that Trump Jr. asks, "What? What are we doing here? Uh, what?" What, uh, what do they have on Clinton? And during the meeting, Kirshner actually texted Manafort saying it was, quote, a waste of time, end quote. Is that correct?
3: I believe it's in the report uh, along the lines you specify.
0: So to be clear, top Trump campaign officials learned that Russia wanted to help Donald Trump's campaign by giving him dirt on his opponent. Trump Jr. said loved it. Then he and senior officials held a meeting with the Russians to try to get that Russian help. But they were disappointed because the dirt wasn't as good as they had hoped. So to the next step, uh, did anyone, to your knowledge, in the Trump campaign, ever tell the FBI of this offer? I don't believe so. Did Donald Trump Jr. tell the FBI that they received an offer of help from the Russians? I'm
3: going to... uh, 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 that's about all I'll say on uh, on this aspect of it.
0: Wouldn't it be true, sir, that if, uh, if they had reported it to the FBI or anyone in that campaign during the course of your two-year investigation, you would have uncovered such a...
3: I would hope, a, yes.
0: Yes. Um, sir, is it not uh, the responsibility of political campaigns to inform the FBI if they receive information from a foreign government?
3: I would think that uh, that's uh, something they would and should do.
0: Well, not only did the campaign not tell the FBI, uh, they, they sought to hide the existence of the June 9th uh, meeting for over a year. Is that not correct?
3: On the general characterization, I, I would question it. If you're referring to later uh, uh, initiative uh, uh, that flowed from uh, the media then.
0: No, what I'm suggesting is that you've said in volume two, page five, on several occasions the president directed aides not to publicly disclose the email setting up the, the June 9th meeting. Yes, that's accurate. Thanks. Um, sir, given this illegal assistance by Russians, uh, you chose, even given that, you did not charge uh, Donald Trump Jr. or any of the other senior officials uh, with conspiracy, is that right? Correct. And while I, it when may you're not, talking
3: about uh, if you're talking about other individuals you're talking about the attendees. Yes, that's on right. June nine
0: and that's, that's right. accurate. So Mr. Mueller even though it didn't you didn't charge them with conspiracy, don't you think that the American people would be concerned that these three senior uh, campaign officials eagerly sought a foreign adversary's help to win elections? And don't I, you think that reporting that is important that we don't set a precedent for future elections? Uh,
3: like, I, I can't accept that kind of characterization.
0: Uh, well, Listen, I think that uh, it seems like a portrayal of American values to me, sir, that someone would, uh, if not being criminal, is definitely unethical and wrong, and I would think that we would not want to set a precedent that political campaigns should not divulge of information if it's foreign government's assistance. Thank you, sir.
6: Mr. Turner. Mr. Mueller, I have your opening statement, and in the beginning of your opening statement, you indicate that pursuant to Justice Department regulations, that you submitted a confidential report to the Attorney General at the conclusion of the investigation. What I'd like you to confirm is the report that you did that is the subject matter of this hearing was to the Attorney General. Yes. Now You also state in this opening statement that you threw overboard the word collusion because it's not a legal term. You would not conclude because collusion was not a legal term.
3: Well, it depends on how you want to use the the word. In the general parlance, people can think of it that way. But if you're talking about in the criminal uh, statute arena, um, you can't because uh, some uh, it really uh, uh, it's much more aptly and accurately described as conspiracy.
6: Right. So, in your words are it's not a legal term. So, you didn't put it in your conclusion. Correct. That's what you're objecting to. Correct. Is. Mr. Mueller, I want to talk about your powers and authorities. Now, the Attorney General and the appointment order gave you powers and authorities that reside in the Attorney General. Now, the Attorney General has no ability to give you powers and authority greater than the powers and and authority of the Attorney General, correct?
3: No, I don't believe—yeah, I I think that is correct.
6: Mr. Mueller, I want to focus on one word in your report. It's the second to the last word in the report. It's exonerate. The report states, accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the President committed a crime, it does not exonerate him. Now, in the judiciary hearing, in your prior testimony, you've already agreed with Mr. Radcliffe that exonerate is not a legal term, that there is not a legal test for this. So I have a question for you, Mr. Mueller. Mr. Mueller, does the Attorney General have the power or authority to exonerate? Now, what I'm putting up here is the United States Code. This is where the Attorney General gets his power and the Constitution and the annotated cases of these, which we've searched. We even went to your law school, because I went to Case Western, but I thought maybe your law school teaches it differently, and we got the criminal law textbook from your law school. Mr. Mueller, nowhere in these, because we had them scanned, is there a process or description on exonerate. There's no office of exoneration at the Attorney General's office. There's no certificate at the bottom of his desk. Mr. Mueller, would you agree with me that the Attorney General does not have the power Exonerate.
3: Uh, I'm going to pass on that. Why? Because it embroils us in a legal discussion, and I'm not prepared to do a legal discussion in that arena.
6: Well, Mr. Mr. Mueller, you would you would not disagree with me when I say that there is no place that the Attorney General has the power to exonerate, and he's not been given that authority. You would not. And I'm
3: not going. To, I, I take your question.
6: Great. Well, the one thing that I guess is that the Attorney General probably knows that he can't exonerate either. And and that's the part that kind of confuses me. Because if the Attorney General doesn't have the power to exonerate, then you don't have the power to exonerate. And I believe he knows he doesn't have the power to exonerate. And so this is the part that I don't understand. If your report is to the Attorney General, and the Attorney General doesn't have the power to exonerate, and he does not, and he knows that you do not have that power, you don't have to tell him that you're not exonerating the President. He knows this already. So then that kind of changed the context Uh, of the report.
3: No, we included it in the report for exactly that reason. He may not know it, and he should know it.
6: So you believe that the attorney, Bill Barr, believes that somewhere in the hallways of the Department of Justice, there's an Office of Exoneration?
3: No, that's not what I said.
6: Well, I believe he knows, and I don't believe you put that in there for for Mr. Barr. I think you put that in there for exactly what I'm going to discuss next. And that is, so the Washington Post yesterday. When speaking of your report, the article said Trump could not be exonerated of trying to obstruct the investigation itself. Trump could not be exonerated. Now, that statement is correct, Mr. Mueller, isn't it, in that no one can be exonerated? The reporter wrote this, that this reporter can't be exonerated. Mr. Mueller, you can't be exonerated. In fact, in our criminal justice system, there is no power or authority to exonerate. Now, this is my concern, Mr. Mueller. This is the headline on all of the news channels while you were testifying today. Mueller, Trump was not exonerated. Now, Mr. Mueller, what you know is that this can't say Mueller exonerated Trump because you don't have the power or authority to exonerate Trump. You have no more power to declare him exonerated than you have the power to declare him Anderson Cooper. So the problem that I have here is that since there's no one in the criminal justice system that has that power, the president pardons, he doesn't exonerate, courts and juries don't declare innocent, they declare not guilty, they don't even declare exoneration. The statement about exoneration is misleading and it's meaningless and it it colors this investigation one word out of the entire portion of your report and it's a meaningless word that has no legal meaning
7: and it has colored your entire report. The gentleman has expired. Uh, Mr. Carson. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Director Mueller, for your years of service to our country. Uh, I want to look more closely, sir, at uh, the Trump campaign, Chairman Paul Manafort, uh, an individual who I believe betrayed our country, uh, who lied to a grand jury, who tampered uh, with witnesses, and who repeatedly tried to use his position with the Trump campaign to make more money. Let's focus on the betrayal and greed. Your investigation, sir, found a number of troubling contacts between Mr. Manafort and Russian individuals during and after the campaign. Is that right, sir?
3: Correct. Correct.
7: In addition to the June 9th meeting just discussed, Manafort also met several times with a man named Konstantin Kalimnik, who the FBI assessed to have ties with Russian intel agencies. Is that right, sir? Correct. In fact, Mr. Manafort didn't just meet with him, he shared private Trump campaign polling information with this man linked to Russian intelligence. Is that right, sir? That is correct. And in turn, the information was shared with a Russian oligarch tied to Vladimir Putin. Is that right, sir? Allegedly. Director Mueller, uh, meeting with him wasn't enough. Sharing internal polling information wasn't enough. Mr. Manafort went so far as to offer this Russian oligarch tied to Putin a private briefing on the campaign. Is that right, sir? Yes, sir. And finally, Mr. Manafort also discussed internal campaign strategy on four battleground states Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota with the Russian intelligence linked individual. Did he not, sir? And
3: that's reflected in the report, as were the items you listed previously.
7: Director Mueller, based on your decades of years of experience at the FBI, would you agree, sir, that it creates a national security risk when a presidential campaign chairman shares private polling information on the American people, private political strategy related to winning the votes of the American people, and private information about American battleground states with a foreign adversary?
3: Is that the question, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm not going to speculate along those lines. Uh, To the extent that it's within the lines of the report, then I'd support it. Uh, Anything beyond that uh, uh, is not part of uh, that which I uh, would support.
7: Well, I think it does, sir. I think it shows an infuriating lack of patriotism from the very people seeking the highest office in the land. Director Mueller Manafort didn't share this information in exchange for nothing, did he, sir? Uh,
3: I can't answer that question without knowing more about the the uh, question.
7: Well, I, it's clear that he hoped to be paid back money he was owed by Russian or Ukrainian oligarchs in return for the passage of private campaign information, correct? That, that is true. Uh, Director Mueller, as my colleague Mr. Heck will discuss later, uh, greed corrupts. Uh, would you agree, sir, that the sharing of private campaign information in exchange for money represents a particular kind of corruption? Uh, one that presents a national security risk to our country, sir?
3: I'm not going to opine on that. I don't have the expertise in that arena to really opine.
7: Would you agree, sir, that Manafort's contacts with Russians close to Vladimir Putin and his efforts to exchange private information on Americans for money left him vulnerable to blackmail by the Russians?
3: I think generally uh, so. That would be the case.
7: Would you agree, sir, uh, that these acts demonstrated a betrayal of the democratic values of our country rests on.
3: I, I can't agree with that,
7: uh, Director not, Mueller,
3: that it, not that it's not true, but I cannot agree with it.
7: Yes, sir. Director Mueller, well, I can tell you that in my years of experience as a law enforcement officer and as a member of Congress, uh, fortunate to serve on the intel committee, I know enough to say yes. Uh, trading political secrets for money with a foreign adversary can corrupt, and it can leave you open to blackmail, and it certainly represents a betrayal of the values underpinning our democracy. I want to thank you for your service again, Director Mueller. We appreciate you for coming today. I yield back, Chairman. Dr. Wenstrup.
8: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Mueller, for being here today. Mr. Mueller, is it accurate to say your investigation found no evidence that members of the Trump campaign were involved in the theft or publication of Clinton campaign-related emails?
3: Can you read, uh, or can you repeat the question?
8: Is it accurate to say your investigation found no evidence that members of the Trump campaign were involved in the theft or publication of the Clinton campaign-related emails? I don't
3: know. I don't know uh, uh, what name? well.
8: Well, volume one, page five. The investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities, so it would uh, therefore be inaccurate, based on this, to describe uh, that finding as open to doubt, that finding being uh, that a Trump campaign was involved with theft or publication of the Clinton campaign emails.
3: Uh, you
8: following that, I, sir?
3: I, I do, do believe I'm following it, but it is uh, uh, that portion of that matter, it does not fall within our jurisdiction. Or I, or I, I, Fall within our investigation. Well,
8: basically, what which, which you your report says, volume one, page five. I just want to be clear that "open to doubt" is how the committee Democrats describe this finding in their minority views to, uh, of our 2018 report, and it, it it kind of flies in the face of what you have in in your report. But so, is it accurate to also to say uh, the investigation found no documentary evidence that George Papadopoulos told anyone affiliated with the Trump campaign? About Joseph Misfits' claims that the Russians had dirt on Canada Clinton.
3: Let me uh, turn that over to Mr. Zabeliuk. Uh,
8: I'd like to ask you, sir. Uh, this is your report, and and that's what I'm basing this on. And
3: then, could you repeat the question for me again?
8: Yeah. Is it accurate to say the investigation found no documentary evidence that George Papadopoulos told anyone affiliated with the Trump campaign about Joseph Misfits' claims? that the Russians had dirt on candidate Clinton.
3: I believe uh, it appearing in the report that it's uh, accurate.
8: Okay, so it, yeah, in the report it says no documentary evidence that Papadopoulos shared this information with the campaign. It's therefore inaccurate to conclude that by the time of the June 9, 2016 Trump Tower meeting, Quote, the campaign was likely already on notice via George Papadopoulos's contact with Russian agents that Russia, in fact, had damaging information on Trump's opponent. Would you say that that is inaccurate to say that it's, it's likely already I, on
3: I direct uh, you to, I could notice? I direct you to the report.
8: Well, I appreciate that because the Democrats jumped to this incorrect, incorrect collusion in their minority views, again, which contradicts what you have in, in your report. I'm concerned about a number of statements, I'd like you to clarify, because a number of Democrats have made some statements that I have concerns with, and and maybe you can clear them up. So a member of this committee said President Trump was a Russian agent after your report was publicly released. That statement is not supported by your report, correct? Uh,
3: That is accurate. Not supported.
8: Multiple Democrat members have asserted that Paul Manafort met with Julian Assange in 2016 before WikiLeaks released DNC emails implying Manafort colluded with Assange. Because your report does not mention finding evidence that Manafort met with Assange, I would assume that means you found no evidence of this meeting. Is that assumption correct?
3: I'm I'm not sure I agree with that assumption.
8: But you make no mention of it in your report. (laughs) uh, Would you agree with that?
3: Uh, yes, I would agree with that.
8: Okay, Mr. Mueller, does your report contain any evidence that President Trump was enrolled in the Russian system of compromat as a member of this committee once claimed?
3: Well, it, it, to uh, what I can speak to is uh, information and evidence that we picked up as the uh, special counsel, and I think that's accurate uh, as far as it goes. Thank you.
8: I appreciate that. So let, let's go for a second to, to scope. Did you ask the Department of Justice to expand the scope of the special counsel's mandate related to August 2nd, 2017, or August 20th, 2017 scoping memoranda?
3: Well, there, uh, 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 without looking at the memoranda, I could not answer that well,
8: question. Well, let me ask you, did you ever make a request to expand your office's mandate which, at all?
3: Uh, generally, uh, yes.
8: And was that ever denied?
3: Uh, I'm not going to speak to that. It, it goes to, to no internal deliberations.
8: Well, I'm just trying to understand process. Is expanding the scope come from the acting attorney general uh, or uh, um, uh, not Rosenstein, ki- or does it come from you, or can it come from either?
3: I'm not going to discuss uh, any uh, any other uh,
8: alternatives. Thank you, Mr. Mueller. Ms. Speer.
9: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mr. Mueller, I think I can say without fear of contradiction that you're the greatest patriot in this room today. And I want to thank you for being here. Thank you. You um, said in your report, and I'm going to quibble with your words, that um, the Russian intervention was sweeping and systematic. Um, I would quibble with that because I don't think it was just an intervention, I think it was an invasion. And I don't think it was just sweeping and systematic, I think it was sinister and scheming. But having said that, one of my colleagues earlier here uh, referred to this Russian intervention as a hoax. And I'd like to get your uh, comment on that. On page 26 of your report, you talk about the Internet Research Agency and how tens of millions of US persons became engaged with Uh, The posts that they made, that there were some 80,000 posts on Facebook, uh, that uh, Facebook itself admitted that 126 million people had probably seen the posts that were put up by the Internet Research Agency, uh, that they had 3,800 Twitter accounts and had designed more than 175,000 tweets that probably reached 1.4 million people. Uh, The Internet Research Agency was spending about $1.25 million a month on all of this social media in the United States in what I would call an invasion in our country. Um, Would you agree that it was not a hoax that the Russians were engaged in trying to uh, impact our election?
3: Absolutely. That was not a hoax. Uh, The indictments we returned against the Russians, two different ones, were uh, uh, substantial in in their scope, using that scope word again. Uh, And I think one of the, we have underplayed to a certain extent that aspect of our investigation that has and would have long-term damage to the United States that we need to move quickly to uh, address.
9: Thank you for that. I'd like to drill down on that a little bit more. The... Uh, Internet Research Agency actually started in 2014 by sending over staff as tourists, I guess, to start looking at uh, where they wanted to engage. And there are many that suggest, and I'm interested in your opinion, uh, as to whether or not Russia is presently in the United States uh, looking for ways to impact the 2020 election.
3: I, I can't speak to that. That would be uh, uh, in levels of classification.
9: All right. Um, Let me ask you this. Uh, Oftentimes when we engage in these uh, hearings, we forget the forest for the trees. You have a uh, very large report here of over 400 pages. Most Americans have not read it. Uh, We have read it. Actually, the FBI FBI director yesterday said he hadn't read it, which was a little discouraging. But um, on behalf of the American people, I want to give you a minute and 39 seconds um, to tell the American people what you would like them to glean from this report.
3: Well, I, uh, we spent substantial time assuring the integrity of the report, understanding that it would be our living uh, message to those who, uh, who come after us. But it also is a signal, a flag to those of us who have some responsibility in this area to exercise those responsibilities swiftly and don't let this problem continue to linger as it has over so many years.
9: All right. Um, you didn't take the whole amount of time, so I'm going to yield the rest of my time to the chairman.
1: I thank the gentleman for yielding. Um, Dr. Muller, I <coughs> wanted to ask you about conspiracy. Uh, generally a conspiracy requires an offer of something illegal, the acceptance of that offer and an overt act in furtherance of it. Is that correct? Uh, correct. And Don Jr. was made aware that the Russians were offering dirt on his opponent, correct?
3: I don't know that for sure, but one would assume, given I, his presence and it, at the meeting.
1: And, uh, and when you say that you would love to get that help, that would constitute an acceptance of the offer?
3: It's a wide open uh, request.
1: And it would certainly be evidence of an acceptance if you say when somebody offers you something illegal and you say, I would love it, that would consider be considered evidence of an acceptance.
3: I'm going to stay away from any uh, uh, addressing one particular or two particular situations.
1: Well, this particular situation, uh, well, I, I'll have to continue in a bit. Um, now yield to uh, Mr. Stewart.
10: Mr. Mueller, it's been a long day. Thank you for being here. I do have a series of important questions for you, but before I do that, I want to take a moment to reemphasize something that my friend, Mr. Turner has said. I've heard many people state no person is above the law. And many times recently they add not even the president, which I think is blazingly obvious to most of us.
3: I'm having a little problem hearing you, sir. Is this better? That is better. Thank you.
10: I want you to know I agree with this statement that no person is above the law. But there's another principle that we also have to defend, and that is the presumption of innocence. And I'm sure you agree with this principle, though... I think the way that your office phrased some parts of your report, it does make me wonder, I have to be honest with you. For going on three years, innocent people have been accused of very serious crimes, including treason. Accusations made even here today. They have had their lives disrupted and in some cases destroyed by false accusations for which there is absolutely no basis, other than some people desperately wish that it was so. But your report is very clear. No evidence of conspiracy, no evidence of coordination. And I believe we owe it to these people who have been falsely accused, including the president and his family, to make that very clear. Mr. Mueller, the credibility of your report is based on the integrity of how it is handled. And there's something that I think bothers me and other Americans. I'm holding here in my hand a binder of 25 examples of leaks that occurred from the special counsel's office, from those who associated with your work, dating back to as early as a few weeks after your inception and the beginning of your work, and continuing up to just a few months ago. All of these, all of them have one thing in common. They were designed to weaken or to embarrass the president, every single one. Never was it leaked that you'd found no evidence of collusion, never was it leaked that the Steele dossier was a complete fantasy, nor that it was funded by the Hillary Clinton campaign, I could go on and on. Mr. Mueller, are you aware of anyone from your team having given advanced knowledge of the raid on Roger Stone's home to any person or the press, including
3: CNN? I'm not gonna talk about uh, specifics. Uh, I will mention, uh, but talk for a moment, about persons who uh, become involved in an investigation and the understanding that um, uh, in a lengthy thorough investigation uh, some persons uh, will be under a cloud that they uh, should not be under a cloud and one of the reasons for emphasizing as i have the speed of an election or not election the speed of an investigation Uh, Is that so? Uh, Those persons who are disrupted as a result of the... I I appreciate that, but I do have a series of questions. uh, With the result of that investigation.
10: Thank you. And you're right. It is a cloud, and it's an unfair cloud for dozens of people. But to my point, are you aware of anyone providing information to the media regarding the raid on Roger Stone's home, including CNN?
3: Uh, I'm not going to speak to that. Okay.
10: Mr. Mueller, you sent a letter dated March 27th to Attorney General Barr in which you claimed the Attorney General's memo to Congress did not fully capture the context of your report. You stated earlier today that response was not authorized. Did you make any effort to determine who leaked this confidential letter?
3: Uh, no, and I'm not certain. Uh, this is the letter of March 27th? Yes, sir. Okay. I, I'm not certain when it was publicized. I didn't know it was publicized, but I do not believe we would be responsible for the leaks. Well, I do. I do believe some, that we have done a good job in assuring that uh, no leaks occur. And we have we have no 25 leaks. examples here of where you did not do a good
10: job. Not you, sir. I'm not accusing you at all, but where your office did not do a good job in protecting this information. One more example. Do you know anyone who anonymously made claims to the press that Attorney General Barr's March 24th letter to Congress had been? Misrepresented or misrepresented your, the uh, basis of your report. And what was the question? Do you know who anonymously made claims to the press that Attorney General Barr's March 24th letter to Congress had misrepresented the findings of your report? No. Sir, given these examples as well as others, you must have realized that leaks were coming from someone associated with the special counsel's office. What I, I, I'd like to ask is, no, did I you- I do not believe that well, well, sir, this was your work. You're the only one, your office is the only one who had information regarding this. It had to come from your office. Putting that aside, which leads me to my final question. Did you do anything about it? Uh,
3: From the outset, we've uh, uh, undertaken to make certain that we minimize the possibility of leaks. And I think we were successful over over the two years that we were in operation.
10: Well, I wish you'd been more successful, sir. I think it was disruptive to the American people. My time has expired, I yield back.
11: Mr. Quigley. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Director, thank you for being here. This too shall pass. Earlier today and throughout the day, you have uh, stated the the policy that a seated president cannot be indicted, correct? Correct. And upon questioning this morning, uh, you were asked, uh, could could a president be indicted Uh, after their service, correct? Yes. And your answer was that they could? They could. Director, please uh, speak into the
3: microphone. I'm sorry, thank you.
11: So- uh, They could. The follow-up question that should be concerning is, what if a president serves beyond the statute of limitations?
3: I don't know the answer to that one.
11: Would it not indicate that if the statute of limitations on federal crimes such as this are five years, that a president, who serves a second term is therefore under the policy above the law
3: I'm not certain I would agree with the I'm not certain I would agree with the conclusion I'm not certain that I can see uh, but the, statute the possibility
11: doesn't, uh, that you suggest but the statute doesn't toll is that correct I don't know specifically it it, it clearly doesn't and I, I just want as, as the the American public is watching this and, and perhaps learning about many of these for the first time we need to consider that and that the other alternatives are perhaps all that we have, uh, but I appreciate your your response. Earlier in questioning, uh, someone mentioned that it was a question involving whether anyone in the Trump political world publicized the emails, whether or not that was the case. I, I just want to refer to volume one, page 60, where we learn that Trump – jr. publicly tweeted a link to the leak of stolen Podesta emails in October of 2016. You're familiar with that? I am. So that would at least be a republishing of this information, would it, would it not?
3: I'm not, certain agree.
11: I'm not certain I would agree with that. Uh, Director Pompeo uh, assessed WikiLeaks in one point as a hostile intelligence service. Uh, given your law enforcement experience and your knowledge of what WikiLeaks did here and what they do generally, would you assess that to be accurate or something similar? How would you assess uh, but, what WikiLeaks does?
3: Uh, absolutely, and they uh, are currently under indictment. Uh, it's but, Julian Assange.
11: Would it be fair to describe them as you would agree with Mr. Director Pompeo? That's when he what he was when he made that remark. That it's a hostile intelligence service. Correct. Yes. If we could put up slide six. This just came out, WikiLeaks, I love WikiLeaks. Donald Trump, October 10th, 2016. This WikiLeaks stuff is unbelievable. It tells you the inner heart, you gotta read it. Donald Trump, October 12th, 2016. This WikiLeaks is like a treasure trove. Donald Trump, October 31st, 2016. Boy, I love reading those WikiLeaks, Donald Trump, November 4th, 2016. Would any of those quotes disturb you, Mr. Director? I'm not certain, I would say.
3: Uh, How do you react to that? Uh, well, uh, it's probably tr- problematic is, is an understatement in terms of what it display, displays, in terms of uh, uh, giving some, uh, I don't know, hope or some boost to what is and should be illegal activity.
11: Volume 1, page 59. Donald Trump Jr. had direct electronic communications with WikiLeaks during the campaign period. On October 3rd, 2016, WikiLeaks sent another direct message to Trump Jr. asking you guys to help disseminate a link alleging candidate Clinton had advocated a drone to attack Julian Assange. Trump Jr. responded that, quote, he had already done so. Same question. This behavior, at the very least, disturbing your reaction?
3: Disturbing and also uh, subject to investigation.
11: Could it be described as aid and comfort to a hostile intelligence service, sir?
3: I I wouldn't categorize it with any specificity.
11: I yield the balance to the chairman, please.
1: Not sure I can make good use of 27 seconds, but... uh... Director, I think you uh, made it clear that you think it unethical, to put it politely, to tout a foreign service like WikiLeaks publishing stolen political documents in a presidential campaign.
3: Certainly uh, calls for investigation.
1: Thank you, Director. Um, We're going to go now to Mr. Crawford, uh, and then after Mr. Crawford's five minutes, we'll take a five or ten minute break.
12: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Muller, for being here. Um, Days after your appointment, Peter Strzok texted about his concern that there's quote, no big there, there, in the Trump campaign investigation. Did Strzok or anyone else who worked on the FBI's investigation tell you that around 10 months into the investigation, the FBI still had no case for collusion?
3: Who, can you repeat that? Uh,
12: Peter Strzok.
3: Could you, I'm sorry, can you move the microphone a little closer? Sure, there's
12: there's a, a quote attributed to Peter Strzok. He texted about his concern that there is, quote, no big there, there in the Trump campaign investigation. Did he or anyone else who worked on the FBI's investigation tell you that around 10 months into the investigation, the FBI still had no case for collusion? No. It, uh, is the Inspector General report correct that the text messages from Peter Strzok and Lisa Page's phones from your office were not retained after they left the special counsel's
3: office? Well, uh, I uh, I don't... It depends on what you're talking about. The investigation into... Uh, those, uh, uh, Peter Strzok uh, went on for a period of time, and I'm not certain what it encompasses. It may well have encompassed what you're adverting to.
12: Okay, let me move on just real quickly. Did you ask the department to authorize your office to investigate the origin of the Trump-Russia investigation?
3: Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Um, It goes uh, to uh, internal deliberations.
12: So the circumstances surrounding the origin of the investigation have yet to be fully vetted then. I'm certainly glad that Attorney General Barr and U.S. Attorney uh, Durham are looking into this matter. With that, I'd like to yield the balance of my time to the Ranking Member Nunes. Thank the gentleman uh, for yielding. Uh,
2: Mr. Mueller, I want to make sure you're aware of who Fusion GPS is. Fusion GPS is a political operations firm that was working directly for the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. They produced the dossier, so they paid Steele, who then went out and got the dossier. And I know you don't want to ask, answer any dossier questions, uh, so I'm not going there, but your report mentions Natalia Vesnitskaya 65 times, She meets in the Trump Tower. It's this infamous Trump Tower meeting. It's in your report. You've heard many of the Democrats refer to it today. The meeting was shorter than 20 minutes, I believe. Is that correct?
3: I think uh, 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 what we have in our report reflects it was about that length.
2: So do you know, so Fusion GPS, the main actor at Fusion GPS, the president of the company or the owner of the company, There's a guy named Glenn Simpson, who's working for Hillary Clinton. Glenn Simpson, do you know how many times Glenn Simpson met with Natalia Vlesnitskaya?
3: Myself? No.
2: Would it surprise you that the Clinton campaign dirty ops arm met with Natalia Vlesnitskaya more times than the Trump campaign did?
3: Well, this is an area that I'm not gonna get into, as I indicated at the uh, outset.
2: Did you ever interview Glenn Simpson?
3: I'm, again, gonna pass on that.
2: According to, I'm gonna to change topics here. Um, according to notes from the State Department official Kathleen Kavalak, Christopher Steele told her that former Russian intelligence head Trubnikov and Putin advisor Surkov were sources for the Steele dossier. Now, knowing that these are, uh, not getting into whether these sources were real or not real, uh, was there any concern that there could have been disinformation that was going from the Kremlin into the Clinton campaign and then being fed into the FBI?
3: As I said before, uh, this is an area that uh, uh, I I cannot speak to.
2: Is that because you're... It's not in the report, or you're just, or because of an ongoing internal investigation. deliberations,
3: other proceedings, and the like.
2: Okay. Uh, when Andrew Weissman and Zaneb Ahmed joined your team, were you aware that Bruce Orr, Department of Justice top official, directly briefed the dossier allegations to them in the summer of 2016?
3: Again, I'm not going to speak to that issue.
2: Okay. Uh, Before you arrested George Papadopoulos in July of 2017, he was given $10,000 in cash in Israel. Do you know who gave him that cash?
3: Again, it's outside our ambit, and uh, uh, questions such as that should go to the FBI or the department.
2: But it involved your investigation?
3: It involved persons involved in my investigation.
1: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. The committee will stand in recess uh, for five or ten minutes. Uh, please, uh, folks, remain in your seats. Allow the director, Mr. Zebley, to exit the chamber.